0: God is unlimited and His power is limitless and really there is no limits in God and there are no limits as to what God can do in your behalf. Amen. And so in Luke chapter 1 verse 37, uh, the angel, a messenger of God appeared on the scene in a particular uh, situation, but he made this declaration and the declaration was this, for with God nothing Will be impossible with God, not not your own works, not your trying to. With God, nothing will be impossible. And then we know that Jesus made the statement in Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter nine, verse twenty three. He said, "If you uh, can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." Did you hear that? If you Can believe if you can believe if this makes it very personal if you can believe if you can believe if you can believe if you can believe if you can this is not a general concept this is a us believing God that God is for us that God is working for us specifically if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes hallelujah And so John chapter 5 verse 17 tells us that Jesus, uh, Jesus said this. He said, "Uh, I and my father are always at work. Hallelujah. Listen, they're not taking a day off. They're always at work. What are they working? They're working to accomplish the will and the plans of God. They're working to perform the, uh, the word of the Lord in the earth for you, to you, and through you they're working. The Godhead is at work and they're at work for you. And this applies to every area of your life. You need to understand and get familiar with and be able to believe that God can work in every area of your life, not just healing. He can work in every area. He can work in your job. He can work in your family. He's so much bigger. He can work in mechanical issues. I mean, I could, I could go back and pull up some accounts of how uh, equipment has broken down for me and I've just had to use the name of Jesus and believe that all things are possible. And Jesus is in there. I might not see him, but I know he's working. He's working. Boom, and then there it goes, it works. God is so much bigger, but we need to make sure that we're not limiting him by only thinking that he can work in certain areas of our life. So Jesus was on the scene and when he was here with his disciples, they would see his work. But then we know that Jesus uh, had to die on the cross and then he rose up into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. And then Mark chapter uh, 16 tells us this, that as they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord was working with them. So even though the Lord wasn't physically there through the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Lord was still working with them. And I know a lot of people use this for preachers. But listen, you can preach the word to yourself at home in your own room and know that the Lord is working with you and confirming what you're preaching. We're not talking about a formal having to stand up in front of a group of people, even though it works that way. We can expect tonight that right here the Lord is working and he's confirming what's being preached. But the, the fact is, is that he is working. And by the way, it does say that he never sleeps or never slumbers. So don't ever, don't ever think there's ever a midnight hour when you can't cry out to God. Because God will, uh, he's ever ready. He is our ever present help and he is always there in the midst of us. Hallelujah. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 which is a scripture we quote a lot. I'm going to quote it tonight from the Amplified Bible. It says, Now to him who is able, say God is able, God is able, to carry out his purpose, to do, perform, exceedingly abundantly, far over and above all that we ask or think, according to the action of his power that works in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the God that we know. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that's working in our behalf super abundantly. Above the greatest uh, challenge, God can come in on the scene, working and doing something, bringing his power to make things change. And his ability is always connected to his willingness For his people. So we can say that not only is God able, but God is willing. Hallelujah to do some great things for us. But we do have to take note now here when we read that scripture, uh, it says according to, which really translates to in relation to or in proportion to the power that is at work in us, not just the power in us. Listen, Because the minute we're saved, Jesus comes to live in our heart through the Spirit of God. There is power in us. But the power has to be working. And the power really works through our faith. So this is where we see that we have some connection with God. And and what we see as to God not being limited. Uh, When it comes to God Himself, there are no limits. Uh, What He can work for us, in us, through us. Uh, what he can be, no limits, what he can do, no limits. God is not limited by our job. He's not limited by our intelligence, or lack thereof. He's not limited by our family line. He's not limited by our history, or anything of the such at all. God is unlimited. But we can limit him by our lack of faith. We can limit him by our doubts uh, or our unbelief. And so even though we uh, see and we know we can prove out that God is willing, that God is able, uh, many times or sometimes we find ourselves in this situation where uh, we're not experiencing or we're not seeing uh, or we're not having uh, what we know we should According to the word of God according to the promises of God and so we've got to recognize that there are ways that we actually can limit God And we got to know what those are so that we can make sure that we're keeping the limits off and not limiting uh, This unlimited God that we're living with hallelujah And so tonight we're picking back up from where we uh, were preaching on Sunday And so I'm just gonna give a short recap About uh, In the Old Testament, we saw that the Israelites limit God. You can see that in Psalm 78. Uh, And their unbelief was rooted in them not remembering His power. Then we see in the New Testament where Jesus was uh, limited by people. It says He could not do any mighty works there. Uh, And it also says because of their unbelief. And so we don't want to be in that category ever uh, of limiting God. And so tonight we're going to continue to build our faith. In the limitlessness of our God. And we're also going to talk about uh, identifying some of the ways that we limit Him. So on Sunday, I told you one way that we limit God is that we don't ask. James 4, 2, we have not because we ask not. Uh, We know in Matthew it says that when you uh, ask, it shall be given. And we looked at the account of Jesus turning the water to wine in John chapter 2. And why did he do that? He did that because Mary asked. And so we have to recognize that asking is really important. And I remember, I might have told this a time or two, I don't know. But in my very early days uh, with the Lord, you know, now becoming spirit filled and really seeking after God. I remember I was at my church. Uh, and it was on a Tuesday night. They had midweek on a Tuesday night. And I was on a Tuesday night service. And they had a guest that night. And uh, he was a, a prophet, a, very, a man that my pastors highly respected. So since I didn't know him, but since my pastors respected him, I was highly respectful and honorable and expecting that what he was doing and saying was of the Lord. And so somehow I was up at the altar I don't remember if it was a particular call. I don't remember who knows why I was up there. Uh, But when this man of God stepped in front of me, uh, I don't remember everything he said. This could have been the only thing he said, but I remember one thing. And he said to me, he said, the Lord says that you don't ask for much. And when he said that to me, me and my limited thinking, I'm, I'm pretty much a brand new at the spirit filled life. I was thinking, well, that was a good thing, but wasn't a good thing. And out of his mouth then came, the Lord said that you need to ask for more. Good word, good word. And I recognized at that time that I was limiting God in my life by thinking, well, I'm just okay. No, we need to be asking. And we already proved uh, on Sunday that, that every ask that we have doesn't have to be because it's a life and death situation and, and a dire need. I mean, we need to be asking some things because we desire them. And why do we desire them? We desire, because we're desiring to, to see the kingdom alive in the earth today. And so I, I recognize very quickly and I've always tried to keep my asking at a high level. Uh, As a matter of fact, Saturday night when I I was praying for service, you know, knowing that I was preaching this message and so the message was big in me. Uh, But Pastor Chaz and I were praying at the house and we were praying and I I wasn't thinking anything particular about any of the the particular parts of the message. And uh, all of a sudden the Lord brought a particular project. It's like a big project uh, that we have coming up here at the church. And uh, just Pastor Chaz and I have been talking about it. And uh, he brought that project up to me in a particular area of that project. And he said, he said, uh, I want you to ask me for this. And I was like, oh. and so I turned around to Pastor Chas, cause we were, you know, just praying. And I said, have you ever asked the Lord for this? And I specifically said what the Lord said to ask for. And he said, no, I said, let's ask. The Lord said, ask, we're gonna ask right now. I was so excited because it's when the Lord prompts you to ask. And sometimes he'll do that. I mean, if you can get in a place with the Lord, sometimes he'll prompt you what to ask. And when he prompts you, don't think, don't sit back and say, I mean, instantly just go ahead and ask. I was so excited. This was something I had not thought to ask. But notice this. The Lord did not just say to me, I will do this. We know it's the will of the Lord because he's wanting me to ask for it. But the Lord didn't just say, I'll do this. Because this is something specific. The Lord needs me to ask. The Lord needs you to ask. Uh, Asking is a part of our faith. It's a part of our stepping out in faith. Because the Bible says when we ask, then we believe that we receive what it is that we've asked. Hallelujah. So we can't be limiting God by not asking. The second reason uh, that, or way that we limit God has to do with our human reasoning. Okay, we were talking about this on Sunday. Uh, many times we're all in our mental, the mental side. We're in the natural side. We're trying to logically make sense. Trying to figure it out. How is this going to work? Well, what, what's the way that God can do it? And, and, and you know, it, does it fit in our understanding? Uh, many times we put time restraints. That was one of the things that we uh, talked about in this category is how we restrict God by, by time restraints and not thinking Um, But those things are, those are the way that we limit God because we proved out on Sunday that God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Uh, God does not work in natural capacity. He works in the supernatural. Uh, He's not limited to our time or space or the methods or anything. Many times the things of God, when we look at them, are wild. I mean, they are wild. I mean, they're probably like never in a million years would we have thought of particularly that way. They're unusual. They're different. And so we have to be open to letting God be God and do it how he wants to do it and not limit him. Because we, once we start trying to figure it out, that limits, what, it limits it to a natural way. And then we put a limit on God. And then many times we miss out on miracles uh, because we've limited God in that capacity. And I read this scripture on Sunday, but I want to read it again. I just really like it. It's one of my favorite, Romans eleven thirty-three, out of the Amplified. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable, unfathomable, and inscrupable are His judgments and His ways, His methods, and His paths. Past finding out, untraceable, mysterious, and undiscoverable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's God. That's God unlimited. And we got to make sure that the, the goal is just when we get a promise, when we get a, uh, something that we need, that we're just looking to God for the end result. And we're not getting stuck in the middle uh, of how or the when or the what. Uh, got to take these limits off of God. So on Sunday we saw a very unusual way that God brought deliverance to the Israelites with the Red Sea. Remember? How did he do it? He parted the Red Sea. That's pretty wild, right? I mean, that's a pretty wild way of doing it. Uh, We examined a a really uh, outrageous example of God protecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, by actually going ahead and letting them be thrown in the fire and then just having them not burn, that the fire just had no effect upon them at all. Hallelujah. And then we saw a different way of provision coming Uh, by Peter being able to get money out of the mouth of a fish. Praise God, those are pretty unusual ways, right? And so I'm just trying to show you from the Bible how it is that God will work in ways that really are just past us and we can't be limiting Him by reducing Him to uh, our understanding or our human reasoning. So tonight we're going to continue on. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. We're still in category number two of the way that we limit God by human reasoning. Turn to Acts chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 5. Now this is another account of deliverance. And the reason I'm saying that is because I want to show you that God does work in different areas. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Hallelujah. A praying church is a powerful church. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands... And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so they went out and they followed him. And they did not know that... uh, Peter did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but really thought that he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came uh, to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord... And they went out and went down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, wow, he's like, wow, I'm really not asleep. This is like really real. Now I know for certain that the angel, that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. So first of all, we see here, uh, this is like so wild. So first of all, an angel showed up, you know. We don't, we're, not, we're not always looking for an angel, but we can know that angels can be present, even whether we see them or not. But I, I'm wondering about the guards. I mean, he had a guard on the right of him and the left of him. I mean, were, had the guards fallen asleep? Their job was to guard him. Had they fallen asleep? Is that why they didn't see Peter's chains fall off and do something? Uh, was it that they were awake and they were just kind of blinded to what was happening? Were they marked out of the spiritual sight? past guard post number one. Uh, All these guards, what's wrong with the guards? I'll tell you what's wrong with them. The supernatural God, the unlimited God, has got right in the midst of delivering Peter. And so then we see that the gates opened all by themselves. I'm sure they were huge, massive gates. They just opened all by themselves. Hallelujah. And so we see that this is a real, a real miracle. I mean, a real miracle. I don't know that Peter thought his deliverance would come this way. I'm sure he was hoping that he was going to be delivered somehow. But this is pretty miraculous, right? And then I want to read this. I want to read the end of it. I like reading the end of it. It's kind of special. In verse 12, it says, So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, so they were praying. Remember, the church was praying for the release of Peter. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. She got so excited, she left Peter standing there. But she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. And so they said, it is his angel. This has bothered me for, I'm just gonna be on. This has bothered me for a long time. Here, this church is, they're praying for Peter to get out. And I believe, my personal opinion, is that they were praying in faith because something triggered the Lord to work in Peter's behalf. And in this account, it's mentioned twice first, that the church was praying, and there he went to the house where they were praying. So to me, it shows that the Lord wanted us to know that they were praying. So I believe that they were praying in faith and probably triggered the miracle. Now the Bible does not say this. So this now is my opinion, but it has helped me at least a little. think that maybe it's possible that they were having trouble understanding the method by which the miracle came. They were trusting God and believing God that Peter was going to be delivered. But they didn't really know how. And so when this girl very excitedly is saying Peter's at the door and there's no Peter standing beside her, it was easier for them to believe that it was an angel at the door than it was Peter. All right? So we just got to remember, we got to take all the limits off and not try to reduce things down to our human reasoning or we might miss God. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 16. This is another account of a deliverance coming from Paul and Silas being in prison. I know we've all read this account, but I just want to show you this. Because many times, uh, you know, God will do something for us, even a miracle, miraculous. And then the next time something similar comes up, we're looking to God to work in the same way. And God is not always going to work in the same way. And I say this all the time, even with you finding the presence of God. It's not going to always work the same way because God doesn't want to be reduced to a formula or a method. He's after a relationship. And so he wants your heart in tune with him and you'd be able to recognize him. So here we see in Acts chapter 16, verse 23, uh, Paul and Silas, it says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and he fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Hallelujah. Now look at this. This is an account. They were, they were in prison. They needed to get out, but God didn't do the same thing. He didn't send an angel that they could see, touch, feel and give them instruction. Instead, an earthquake came and we don't know. It's, it probably is not really a natural earthquake here. It was more of a spiritual. The building really did probably shake. Uh, it might have it been that an angel that no one saw was shaking uh, the foundations. That could be. Uh, I've often wondered, you know, uh, God's, God, the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs and I mean, the laughter of God is not like just a small little chuckle. It's like I've heard it. It's, it's like it feels everything. And I've just wondered if God was sitting in the heavens, delighting in, in Paul and Silas, uh, praising the Lord. And, just, ah, 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 ah. and deliverance came right in the middle. Just right in the middle of God laughing just because they were praising the Lord in a very difficult situation. Hallelujah. But whatever the story is, uh, and and by the way, we see that the building shook under the power of God in Acts chapter 4. We don't know how that happened, but we see it there. Uh, And so we know that that's a real deal. But here here it is that the the building shakes, the, the doors open, the chains fall off. Hallelujah. And now this guard was aware of it. The other guards were blinded to what had happened. And Peter just walked out, nobody knowing, I guess, until the next day or whenever it came to their light. But this this guard knew. And he was very concerned because he knew now he was fixing to get in trouble, but what happened is he got saved. Hallelujah. And he made provision for his whole family to hear the gospel, and his whole family got saved. Hallelujah. So we can't limit God. We've got to believe very fully and very radically in the the limitlessness of this God that we serve so that we can have results, so that we can have supernatural uh, miracles and things happening in the midst of our life. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 7. Now this is an account of Jesus uh, in the healing area. And uh, we know that we can go all through the Gospels and see many, many, many accounts of Jesus uh, healing the sick, Many methods that Jesus used. Sometimes He gave an instruction. Uh, Sometimes He laid hands. Uh, Sometimes He, um, uh, you know, He did all kinds of things with people. Sometimes power just went out of Him when someone would touch Him. Uh, Sometimes he gave command. He gave a command, uh, you know, Lazarus come forth. Uh, So all kinds of different ways that Jesus uh, performed healing miracles. But I want to look at this account in Mark chapter seven again, because we don't want to limit God. And you need to be open to however it is that God might want to heal you. And you don't get to tell God. And this is that thing again. Many times we tell God what, what we want God to do or how we want God to do it. But we don't get to do that. We just have to let God be God. And so in Mark chapter 7, verse 31 and through 35, this is a Jesus touching some ears here and, and using some spit. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis into the Sea of the Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf, and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers in his ears, and he spat, and he touched, and t- uh, touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said to him, Epaphatha, this, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. So what, so this is very unusual that Jesus used spit. And you know that he used his hands to touch both ears so he couldn't have spit and touched the ears and the tongue at the same time. So what if the man, you know, after the first time he touched his ears with spit, he'd be like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm not opening my mouth. You ain't touching nothing in me. This is a very unusual method, and the man had to be open. Hallelujah. Man, you know, my mama, my mama is a believer in, in, in the spit for a lot of things. I remember when I read this story in the Bible, I was thinking, man, if my mama had just, if her spit had just been anointed, I don't know, maybe it was more anointed than I thought. But my mama, my mama used spit all the time for all kinds of things. It was like a regular method. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're just going to say that our mama's uh, spit was anointed. If you're spitting on your kids today, for whatever the reason may be, just make sure to get some of the anointing in there so that maybe it has more than just the just the natural effect of what we're looking to do there. Hallelujah. But a miracle came by spit. Why did Jesus need to spit? Do you think he did this just to... No, he was following the Holy Spirit. This is something that needed to happen in that moment. Turn me over to John chapter 9. Here's another account uh, and a healing story. John 9 verse 1. It says, Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. Then in verse 6, it says, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And then he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. So here Jesus didn't say, Oh, earlier I just used the spit. Let me use the spit again. This time... He used spit and mixed it with mud, with, with dirt from the ground, and made mud out of it. This is very unusual. But, but to think that mud, that within, the, within mud, somebody's sticking mud on you, there was the power of God to heal a blind eye in the mud. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've been in the mud a lot. And it's kind of like, just like mud, Right? God can take anything. He can use anything. He can use any method that he wanted. But what if the man had saw him once he spit and got the dirt and was rolling it around? What if he was like, wait a minute. No, I just want you to pray for me. Just call unto God and pray for me. Right? Okay, so we can't be limiting God and how this works. Uh, Turn with me over in the Old Testament to Jonah. Chapter 1 just showing you some of the unusual ways that God works. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then we look in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Verse 10, and so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry, dry ground. What a miracle. First of all, that God prepared a special fish that, that could swallow Jonah. That, that's like pretty like spectacular, right? Then that Jonah wasn't hurt as he was swallowed or as he was vomited back out. I mean, the thrust didn't hurt him, the, the tumbling. I mean, this is all very supernatural. Then that when the fish vomited, or, or how about the fact that he, uh, he lived in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. This is like, God is like so supernatural and so miraculous how he chooses to accomplish what needs to happen. How about when he vomited him, he didn't vomit him into the sea and him have to swim to the shore. (laughs) He vomited him onto dry ground. God's hand of power is so beyond our understanding, so beyond our logical process. How about Daniel on the lion's den? Turn with me there to Daniel chapter 6. Verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of his lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. See, see he was rooting for a miracle here. Says he spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, and also his sleep went from him. And then, when the king arose early in the morning, they went into haste to the den of the lions. And then he came to the den, and he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. that Daniel's not mad at the king for throwing him in the line of den so he's not getting disrespectful. See, you thought you could do something to me, but you see what God... He didn't do that. He didn't do that, American church. Even angels don't speak uh, disrespectful of dignitaries. Good word. That's a very serious thing. He said, O king, live forever. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, because I have done no wrong before you. So in the midst of that whole time he was in the lion's den, he wasn't lambasting or being upset. He was just expecting God to deliver him. Hallelujah. That's the sign of a real Christian. That's the sign of a mature Christian. Hallelujah. Isn't that an interesting account? Turn with me over to Acts chapter 8, back in the New Testament. Here's an example of a supernatural uh, transportation method. This is looking at Paul. Uh, excuse me, at Philip, Acts chapter 8, verse 39. It says, Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azetas, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So this, in one instant, Philip was in one city, and in the next minute, he was caught up and found in a completely different city. That's like a miracle. Amen. You know, God just, he does so many, that this is a time miracle, whether time was accelerated, however, however it works. We see an account in John where Jesus got in the boat and the minute he got in the boat, it says they were immediately at the other side. There's all kinds of things. I know we had a testimony of a lady here in church came to tell me, and I think this came somehow uh, when we were doing all the stuff on time redemption. But she was driving down the road in the car on Highway 6, and she needed to be somewhere, and she knew she was going to be late, and it was really bothering her. And she just, she just said, I just thought to myself, I just need to be. And all of a sudden, she was in a, on another street instantly, she was driving on another street in another area and made it to her destination on time. Woo. Praise the Lord. Come on, we got to take the limits off. Got to take the limits off, not be limiting God. These are all accounts of how God works outside of the ways that we would think that we would be normal, that we can understand, even logically today, to think of this. But I, I love the account of, uh, of the fish Because it said once uh, the Lord was through with Jonah and needed him to come out, he spoke to the fish. And so I believe that, you know, you can can use your authority in the uh, animal arena. There's no reason that an animal needs to jump on you or do something that it's not supposed to do. You can use your authority. If the authority of God was used to shut the mouth of lions, it can be done for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all know my account of fishing by faith, right? When I first got married, Pastor Chaz likes to fish. I'm not really a big fisher person, but you know I'm the new wife, and so I'm gonna fish to to do it with the new the new husband. And so we go to the, we go to the beach, and I, I'm like thinking, what I want to do is read a spiritual book. I do, you know, and he wants to fish, so we go we go out on the kayak. We had a kayak. We go out on the kayak, and I looked at him. I said, now I'm gonna fish, and I'm gonna fish by faith. Charles Caps did it. If Charles Capps did it, I can do it too. And so I said, my goal today is to get two fish. Once I'm done with two fish, my book reading begins. I said, that was my deal. And so I sat, I got in the kayak, I got all my stuff ready. And I said, now in the name of Jesus, fish, you get on my hook. And I cast the thing and I instantly caught a fish. I, I'm rolling, I'm rolling. The pastor's like, no way. No, I'm not rolling. It's a four foot shark. I'm rolling it in, man. I'm rolling it in. So, so, we get it, we get it in the thing, and we had to tie it behind the thing because it was too big to put in the kayak. It might have tried to eat my leg off or something. I don't want. And so, so he's looking at me like, yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm going to do it again. I said, now here we go. In the name of Jesus, I command the fish to get on my hook, and I throw the thing up. Boom, fish number two instantly. I mean, Pastor Chaz went for like quite a while. He wasn't catching anything. I'm thinking he, he could do the same thing if he would just command the fish, but I got my two fish and my book reading began hallelujah. So you can command the animals hallelujah to work in your behalf. And that was about the end of my fishing days. He hasn't really asked me to fish with him much since. I'm not sure if that's the Lord meeting the desire of my heart because fishing is too early for me. It's too early. I will sleep. And you can fish. Okay. All right, here we go. Are y'all ready for reason number three or way number three that we limit God? All right, are y'all ready? It is disobedience or not yielding to the Spirit, okay? So many times the answer, the result, the miracle is going to come as a result of us obeying, us doing what we know to do. We have to follow the Spirit and we have to follow any instruction. Sometimes God gives us an instruction. Uh, Sometimes it's not a sentence. Sometimes it's not a loud booming voice. Sometimes it's an unction. Sometimes it's it's a sense I should do this. It's kind of a leading of the Spirit. Most of the times it's, it's inward. Um, but we've got to act upon what we know. And we've got to be instant with it, not question it, not reason it, not say now is not the time. Good word. If you're having a leading or a sense or something of the Spirit to do something, now is the time. And if you don't act upon it in the right time, many times you'll miss out on what on what the Lord is going to do. So acting upon what you know or what you simp, uh, sense, it's a matter of just simply do it, simply obey. Don't don't question it. Don't what is this going to do? How is this going to work? Uh, you know, I don't have I don't have time for that. Um, The activation of God's power, His work, actually happens in the act of us obeying the instruction. And we see that many times through a lot of these counts that we talked about on Sunday and we talked about today. Uh, if they had not done what, what the Lord said, if, if when Jesus said, go get the pots and fill them with water, if they had not done that, Jesus wouldn't have been able to turn the water into wine. So there's all kinds of uh, things that we're, we're looking. If, if the angel had said to Peter, arise and put on your shoes, and Peter's like, no, I'm too sleepy. You know, We'll do it in the morning. You, seriously. And so we limit God many times in that way. So when you sense something or know something, don't resist, don't analyze, don't delay, don't ignore, and don't disobey. Just obey quickly so as to not limit God. Uh, Let's look at a good account of this in the uh, Old Testament Uh, We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5. And this is a story that most of you will know, but it's always good to get our eyes on it and talk about it again. It's the story here of Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. And he needed to be healed. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 8. And so it was when Elisha, Elisha is of course the prophet, the man of God... The man of God heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he was sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come into me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So what had happened at this point is Naaman had, uh, through a handmaiden, had gotten to recognize that there was a prophet in the land of Israel, and that he, she said, If you would go see the prophet, that the prophet will cause you to be healed. And so verse 9, So Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman, who was a king, mind you, uh, became furious, and he went away, and he said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So see, the man came with an expectation not just of getting healed, but he came with a limit of how he thought God or the, or the prophet was going to cause God to bring healing into his life. And how he, I mean, he had worked it all out. I mean, he, he knew exactly what was going to happen. Okay? And verse 12... <clears throat> Are not the Abanah and the Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So now he's looking at what the, Lord's, uh, what the prophets told him to do. You know, these are, these are dirty rivers. I, don't, I certainly don't want to get in these rivers. And so he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servant uh, came near him and spoke to him and said, My father, now if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. And so he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Hallelujah. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and he came and he stood before him and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant." And so we can see that he was extremely thankful and he did the right thing in offering something to God um, by the fact that he had he'd gotten healed. He was very grateful. He didn't just turn around and uh, run back his own way. But let's look at a couple of things about this. Now, we know that Elisha, the prophet of God, the only way that he was able to in that day perform healings was through a manifestation of the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord, not saved in that day, not filled with the Spirit, didn't have anything of the Spirit of God in them. So uh, the Spirit of God at times would come upon the kings, the priests, and the prophets at times in order for them to be able to work a miracle, do something that was of God. And so we see that Elisha had to be led in this instant. He didn't just sit in his house and say, I don't want to go out today. It's a little warm. Let me just see if I can work a miracle from inside. He didn't do that. He waited for the Spirit of the Lord. He knew what the Spirit wanted him to do. And then he gave the instruction. Hallelujah. So uh, uh, first of all, Elisha was led. But then we, we see that Naaman had had that expectation here. And so the lesson of this is, number one, that we have to be humble. We have to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. We have to be willing to let go of our reputation we have to be willing to let go of our... What, what are people going to think of me? Okay, that, they had a call down there and it was a specific call for something. What are people going to think of me? Uh, uh, this is going to expose the fact that this is wrong with me or I'm dealing with this. You'll lose your miracle by doing that because when things come, they're done at the instruction of the Spirit of the Lord. And so we have to be willing to lose our dignity. We have to be willing to lose our reputation per se. Certainly what other people think of us, God, God is making a way for us, for something of of Himself to come to us. And we need to be ever willing and ready to to just be so humble that we run toward that uh, obediently. Uh, God loves us. We know that, right? And God would only, because He is only good, He can only do good to us, right? Right? So anytime we know that something uh, is is coming from God, if we don't like the command... uh, And this goes way outside the healing realm. This can go in, in, in some type of a breakthrough coming through in your life and God telling you to go somewhere, do something, be some way. I remember the story of Reggie tonight who's on the camera when he had come out of his situation with COVID, very bad lungs... You know, and, and he was at home one night, right, Reggie? On a, on a Wednesday night, he was at home and, and still not feeling well, having a lot of issues, and uh, was not planning to come to church. And the Lord told him, he said, if you will go to church tonight, I will heal you. Isn't that what he said? And so he, he came, and now n- nobody knew anything about that but him and the Lord. And I remember, I, don't, I guess I was preaching that night, and I was standing up here, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was like in the very back, it was like it's like all I saw was Reggie. It's like just Reggie, just a light, almost like a light around him. All I saw was Reggie, and I didn't know what was going to come, but I knew something of God. I just and so I just opened up my mouth, and I remember I shot forth my hand and I gave the command of something, and that began. I mean, the spirit of God touched him, and that began looking him. Now today, he's praise God, hallelujah. But but what what would have happened? What would have happened? Praise God, absolutely. What would have happened if Reggie would have said, I don't feel like going tonight. Or or, I'm too busy tonight. He, He had an instruction from the Lord. Thank God. Thank God he heard it. Thank God he obeyed it. Because really I want to say this, that anytime that we don't like the command, the instruction, when we don't like the way, the path, or the method, it's our flesh. It's our flesh that gets in the way. Because the things of God are of God and they're good for us. And really on the inside, even our spirit is saying, yes, yes, do it, do it. Our spirit is always willing, but our flesh is weak. And so we have to understand this about ourselves That our self-life can cause us to limit God. It cause us to miss out on God. Our flesh has to be crucified. Our flesh has to be put under. And it has to be put under daily. And this is something that nobody ever gets away from. No matter how long you do it with the Lord, no matter how mature you are, we all still have a flesh. And uh, you know, God, just what God wants for you is He does want your whole life. And so sometimes God will touch the very thing that your flesh is hanging on to. And your miracle is only going to come if you're able to let that go. I've seen this happen many times. Things with people where where their self uh, gets in the way. And and we certainly, if we want God working unlimitedly in our life like He is able and like He is willing, we're going to have to lay down our flesh. Uh, I remember one time, this was very early on, and I've told this several times, but it's just a good story. Uh, I remember I was... uh, I don't remember what was happening, but I had a word of knowledge all of a sudden. And it was about a particular disease. Uh, And I knew that it was of the Spirit of the Lord. And so I said, whoever has such and such, you know, come up. And the Lord's going to heal you. And nobody moved. And so I said, "Uh, whoever, you know, the Lord, this is a word from the Lord. Somebody here today has such and such. And if you'll get up out of your seat right now and come forward, the Lord's going to heal you. And nobody moved. So I'm thinking, Lord, let me do it again. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. I said it again. Nobody moved. Okay. So first of all, what that did for the congregation is now everybody in the room had to fight off the doubt that that was a word from the Lord because what it appeared like was that I had said something that somebody had something that nobody had. See, this is how we're we're in this together. And us responding together, us yielding, especially in the corporate setting, us being able to yield together, move, follow the Spirit, makes room for the Spirit to come and work in more miraculous ways rather than we have people sitting in their chair and I'm not doing that or I'm not liking... No, we, we got to get in the flow. We got to be willing to go with the Lord and stay with the Lord. So the service ended. I, I brushed it off. I just, you know, whatever service ends and I'm standing up there and all of a sudden here comes a lady, a lady I'd never seen, didn't know her. And she came up to me and she leaned over and she said, I was the lady. She said, I have such and such. And she named the illness. And she said, but I was too embarrassed to get out of my chair. And then she wanted me to pray for her. But you know what? I've prayed for her, but I'm just being honest. Many times when something comes by the Spirit, there's an extra something of the Spirit. You're moving beyond just a natural, I've got faith. The Scripture says we can do this. There, there's an anointing. There's a something that comes in that moment. And I didn't have it. And I told her point blank. I said, I will pray for you, and I will do my best by faith. But I just want you to know, I said, when the Word came from God... Your part in obeying and following the instruction. You know, we see times in the Bible where where the Lord would just say, you know, go present yourself to the priest, and you'll be made. And just in their in their going, it could have been that the minute she stood up, that the Lord would have healed her. I didn't even need to do any, you know anything physical with her. But I you know, I don't know. I never saw her again. I don't I don't know what happened. I mean, I you know I, I did the best I could. But I definitely know she missed something. She missed a, she missed a something uh, from the Spirit in that moment. And then these kind of things, I think, happen more often than what, than what we recognize. I remember years ago before, before um, Pastor Chaz and I were uh, courting or dating... Um, we knew who each other was, but I, the Lord told me to go to a particular spiritual function that he was going to be leading. And I'll be honest with you. I did not want to go. I did not have time to go. I was not real excited about going, but I knew that the Lord had said go. And so I went. And you know what? That was how Pastor Chaz and I got connected. It was the beginning part of us getting connected and ending up being buried. And I've often wondered what would have happened if I would have just been too busy. Now I know that God is God and God can work around. And God can work around at times. But you see, when we're not, when we're not following God or when we're not, we're not uh, moving at the instruction of God and we're saying, oh, if it's really God, God will find another way. No, you just limited God. We don't do that. We're, we're spiritual people, right? We're, we're mature people. We're those that are, that are loving the Lord and following the Lord and have, you know, sold out our lives to the Lord. And so when God brings something, when it's an instruction, maybe it's a, you know, it, it might be. And sometimes they seem so insignificant, and I think this is partly why we miss it. You know, uh, something just comes as an impression, and, and then we, we talk, many times we talk ourselves out of it. And we usually talk ourselves out of it because we don't understand it, or it seems insignificant. Like the Lord telling you, you know, he might tell you to do something at work. He might tell you to bless somebody. He might tell you to, you know, give somebody a something. And then we just think, oh, you know, and I don't really have time to do that. I don't know. And so we just brush it off. We don't, we don't know what, what, what might have happened from that. I mean, there could have been a promotion that came from that. I mean, if nothing else, one is that we obeyed God. And every time we obey God, we get further with God. Hallelujah. Every time we're sensitive to God and act upon the instruction of God, uh, that, that, that's like it just solidifies. It also helps us learn to recognize what is and what isn't God. You know, in the beginning days of me being spirit-filled, I would, I would actually do tests. I would do little things to like, is this the Spirit of the Lord or is this me? Because I knew that I needed to be more uh, familiar, more confident in being able to discern what might be myself versus what was the Spirit of the Lord. And of course, I didn't take like major things and things that were life-threatening, you know, uh, but I would, little things that I knew weren't a big deal. And I would say to myself, now, I feel like this is a leading of the Lord. And so I'm not going to do this right now. I'm going to see what happens. And that's part of the way that I learned to be led by the Lord. You have to prove these things out and work these things out. But I just want you to know that God, God is unlimited and God is wanting to do unlimited things for you. Hallelujah. And He's wanting us to be able to just believe Him like radically and get ourselves out of the way and be able to act upon what we know to do. Just not, not have to try to reason things out and figure things out. Not, not feel like, you know, it's not big enough for me to ask the Lord to do. we got to get past all that. We definitely want to see God at work, right? We want to see Him at work in our lives, right? We want to see Him at work at church, you know, th- this applies to church. Uh, I say it all the time. I want to be honest with you. I wish it was only that I could come, be prepared, and make everything that I want, that I've prayed, that I've fasted, m- make it happen. But I can't do, I can't do it. It's, it's us together. And so that's why when you study out the New Testament and you study out unity, and when people come together, one heart, one mind, one accord, I mean, pursuing that, that's why it's so important that man together as a body of believers, we're, we're believing God. We're believing to see the unlimited things of God. We need to expect God to be able to work in whatever way He needs to work or wants to work. Do whatever He wants to do in the corporate setting. And that's not be the one sitting in our chair thinking... And I can, I can feel it sometimes. I can, uh, sometimes I can feel it. Sometimes I... You know how Paul would say, I perceive something Jesus would say, I perceive, or he knew, he knew. There have been times I've called out, I, could, I can feel the people thinking this, or wondering about that. We need to be more, more quick about bringing all of our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't you let yourself get in your, sit in your chair and wonder or... or zone out. We're in this together, right? And so we're, we're, you know, I'm just trying to help you take some of the limits off uh, so that we can not be putting boundaries on God and boxing him in and thinking, this is it. This is God. This is the way God's going to work. God's going to do it this way. He's way bigger. Hallelujah. And I'm really glad, aren't you glad that God's not reduced? He's not reduced to to our way of doing things or our understanding. Really, if we can just learn more and more that we engage with God, but yet we have to get ourself, all of our natural self, out of the way. Hallelujah. And that's why being filled with the Holy Spirit, making sure you get it the first time and speaking tongues, and then you're living a Spirit-filled life. I mean, you're keeping yourself full because all these things are done by the Holy Spirit. And we need to be able to recognize when something is happening with the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to recognize when the Spirit of the Lord is coming in like a hush. And nobody feel the need in that moment to clap or play music or whatever it might be. We need to be sensitive to that. And the the more full of the Spirit, the more we have the power at work, then the more sensitive we are. Hallelujah. And I believe that God brings messages like this for a purpose. It's like God's trying to get us to the next place. He's trying to get us to the next level. He's trying to take us beyond the boundaries where we're at. Right? It's, it's all about progression. I mean, we don't want to be that where we're at today is not hopefully where we were a month ago. Praise the Lord. And so God is just saying to you, you know, I, I'm, I'm able and I'm willing. And if you'll just keep those limits off of me, if you'll be sure to just ask and believe, follow the Spirit... Don't get stuck in the how to's, but just, I mean, anchor yourself on the end result and know that God is able. You just remind God, and you just go to God, and you just remind God, you just go to God, and you remind God. You know, sometimes you got to, sometimes it, it is a working with God. And I don't know why I keep bringing this up, but I remember when Reggie was in the hospital and when Jay was in the hospital, I, I, I tell you what, I did, some, I did some God you remember, like right up in the face of God. I mean, I don't think, I still this day, I don't know that I have been that close to what I felt like to the face of God. Because these two men were not, they were not going to die. Hallelujah. And so we got to get real determined about, about seeing some miracles. We got to make sure we're not just all uh, content. We're content, yet we're pressing on. We're content and that we're not, not feeling like we're missing out, but yet we're, we're, we're looking up, we're expecting more. Bigger things, greater things, mighty things, the unlimited things. This would be a place of miracles. Our lives be like, man, when they see you at work, they're like, man, something is different about them. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.